0: This morning I'm going to read from Isaiah chapter 40, verses 28 through 31 to start. Now those of you that follow along or take notes or whatever, I'm really going to be from the very end of 39 through about the middle of chapter 41, but I'm staying right in Isaiah this morning. But we're going to read chapter 40, verses 28 through 31 to start. So as you find those, if you would stand or if you just want to read off the screen, that's fine. But if you're able, please stand uh, to honor the reading of the Word. It says, Hast thou not known, hast thou not heard, that the everlasting God, the Lord, the Creator of the ends of the earth, feigneth not, neither is weary? There is no searching of His understanding. He giveth power to the faint, and to them that have no might, He increases strength. Even the youth shall faint and be weary. The young man shall utterly fall. But. But they that wait upon the Lord. Shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run. And not be weary. And they shall walk. And not faint. Heavenly Father, I pray for your blessing, your power, and your presence in this house this morning. Lord, I pray simply that what we do would glorify and honor you. And Lord, that your word would be impactful, would change people's lives through the power of the Holy Spirit pulling us to you. Lord, we thank you, we give you praise, glory, and honor in the name of Jesus. Amen, and amen. Now this morning, I'm going to share a little story to start. Sometimes I'll share stories, sometimes not, but this one just kind of it actually is a song, and you'll see here in a minute that uh, I was thinking about as I was preparing this message. and yesterday I went back and was kind of looking over things and and just on a whim, I th- let me research this song to see what's behind it. So here's the story. 1974, some of you may know as soon as I give the name, most probably will not. But there was a gentleman by the name of Tracy Dart. He was living in Apple Valley, California. And he had started a business with an old friend building swimming pools. By all accounts, everything was going well. They had more than enough money. In their bank account, they were getting uh, new accounts. They had multiple pools under construction. They had more than enough to get them through a slow winter season without any kind of worry. Now, at the same time that Tracy Dart had formed this company, he also formed a gospel group. Uh, he and his wife and another couple formed what they called Country Congregation. This is kind of what you would call a mountaintop moment for him. He had a thriving business, and alongside of that he had kingdom work that had even gotten them a recording contract with a company out of Nashville. But it was around this same time that the wholesale price index and inflation started going out of control. What was a thriving business suddenly had projected losses of $22,000 with a lot of debt and no money to finish the projects. Tracy Dart had put everything that he owned into this business that was now failing. Business partner wanted to declare bankruptcy and move on. Tracy Dart had a different opinion. Partner signed everything over to him, including the debt and the projected losses, and he did not file bankruptcy. Instead, one night during this time, he got woke up, in his words, from a troubled sleep at about 2.30 in the morning, and he had a tune echoing through his mind. I may want to back up a little bit to state that his prayers had been that God needs to make a way. That God needs to give him some wisdom and direction. So one night he wakes up from a troubled sleep at 2.30 and he had this tune echoing through his mind so he got up and wrote it down. The words that he wrote down was this, life is easy when you're up on the mountain. And you've got peace of mind like you've never known. But when things change and you're down in the valley, don't lose faith for you're never alone. He said he offered a simple prayer of thanksgiving, thanking God for being the Lord of his valley. He went back to paper and wrote down one more thing before returning to bed. The God on the mountain, still God in the valley. When things go wrong, he'll make them right. The course of the now famous song was written down. He said the entire writing process for that song took him 30 minutes. By 3 o'clock, he was back in bed. He rose the next morning, and God began opening doors. God took him through the valley. Building season came with multiple projects on the table. They finished the year debt-free with all construction completed. In 1975, Country Congregation recorded God on the Mountain on their first album. Over the first several years, it was recorded by multiple groups. Then 13 years later, in 1988, there was a live album released titled Gone to Meetin' by the McCameys. On this album was Tracy Dart's song, God on the Mountain. In 1989, it won Song of the Year. It remained on the charts at number one for five months beginning in October 1988. You know, there's something about a message of hope in an unchanging and faithful God that people simply need to hear. It's a timeless message. that can provide the only real comfort to be found in the world. The certainty of hope of and in a God that loves you and cannot fail. You see, what Tracy Dart thought was a mountaintop moment with a thriving business And a gospel group was not even a mountaintop moment for 13 years. He had some valleys to cross through in between. Oftentimes, we are much the same way. We face times of difficulty and and valleys within our life. Now, I read this scripture out of Isaiah, and that scripture is enough to make you shout, or it should be. But sometimes we need to understand the backstory of what even got us to that point. I often point out the scripture out of Jeremiah, but we are probably just as guilty as taking this out of context. You know, I know the thoughts that I have for you, saith the Lord. Thoughts to prosper after 70 years of captivity. We miss that part. Here we have that they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. But if you go back just a little bit to the end of chapter 39, you will see that there was certainly a time of difficulty that was preceding all of this. Now, this morning, I just want to talk to you a little bit about being... Refreshed, Because there are times that we simply need to be refreshed in the Lord. We need to be revived. We need to be lifted up. But we also need to be reminded of exactly who it is that we serve. That we serve a God that cannot fail. That we serve a God that cannot faint. We serve a God that cannot grow weary. God is God. He is above our thoughts. He is above our understanding. He is above anything that we can really comprehend. You see, back at the end of chapter 39, there is a prophecy of Babylonian captivity. You see, Isaiah talked to Hezekiah and he said, Hear the word of the Lord of hosts. Behold, the days come that all that is in thine house, and that which thy fathers have laid up in store unto this day, shall be carried to Babylon. Nothing shall be left, saith the Lord. Now, if that's not bad enough, understand that just in this verse alone, that Isaiah has went to Hezekiah and told him that everything that he has accumulated in his life, everything that he owns is going to be wiped out, that it will be no more. And not just everything that Hezekiah has accumulated, but also everything that he had inherited, everything that had been passed down from generation to generation, was going to be wiped out, that it was going to stop with him. To further drive that point home, when you go down one verse, it's almost a blessing and a cursing all in one, because he tells him, and of thy sons that shall issue from thee, which thou shalt beget. In other words, Hezekiah, you're going to have some sons. You're going to have someone that normally should carry on your family name, that you should be able to add to the inheritance that your fathers have passed down to you and that, and that you have accumulated also, and you should be able to pass this all down to your sons. Now, you don't have sons right now, but you're going to have sons. God has promised that you're going to have sons, not adopted sons, not sons by any other means, but from your loins you're going to have a son. But guess what? Even they are going to be taking taken away. And to make sure that there's finality to what's going on, to make sure that it really does stop with you, they are going to be eunuchs. Now this word eunuchs in the Old Testament uh, quite literally means that they remove their ability to procreate. And, and I think that's about as tactful as I can put it. You can use your mind to figure the rest out. So they're go- not only is he going to have kids, but they're going to take them away and they're going to take away their ability to procreate so the buck stops with Hezekiah now all of this comes before anything about blessing strength anything I think most of the time we get into those places in our life where we look and we just simply do not see a way for God to move We get into places where it is exceedingly difficult in our lives. We get into uh, ways of thought that we see that there is no way out. But I have come this morning to tell you that there is a way out. I have come to tell you this morning that there is hope. Even when circumstances look dire, even when things look like it can never be restored, when things look like it can never go forward, that there is a way of hope. Hezekiah understood that. He knew that his circumstances were bleak, that his outlook was dire, that he did not see a way that anything could be good in the physical. But I love what Hezekiah says next because Hezekiah turns back to Isaiah and he looks at him and he says, good is the word of God. The Lord. Good is the word of the Lord. Now, sometimes we need to get into that place in our life because we think we know what's best for us and I've covered this multiple times I'm not going to go down that road again but we simply do not know what is best for us a lot of times we think we do but what we can see is what is going on right now what we can see is what is directly in front of our face but we need to understand that God can see the entirety of the ark of history he knows the end from the beginning before you were ever formed in your mother's womb he knew you he knows what plans he has for you, he knows his desires for you, and I can assure everyone in here this morning that his desire for you is to come to the knowledge of truth. He wants all people to be saved. He wishes that none would perish, but more than that, he wants to bless you exceeding abundantly, more than you can even think or ask. He wants to put his hand up on you and bless you in your life. Hezekiah understood that even in the midst of troubles, he said, good is the word of the Lord which thou hast spoken and he said moreover for there shall be peace and truth in my days Friends, this morning you can experience peace and truth in your days. You may not understand now, but I assure you that in the power and the presence of the Holy Ghost that you can experience peace. When everything is going to hell all around you, you can get a taste of heaven right here on earth through the collapsing of the Holy Ghost upon your life. And that is what God wants. How do I know? Because the very first verse of chapter 40, which is the very next verse, God says, comfort ye. Comfort ye my people, saith your God. People, he's not just my God. He's your God. Now, if you will accept him and you will surrender to him, as that song says, I surrender all. And He will bless you in ways you simply cannot understand. And not just bless you, He wants to comfort you. You see, not just is there times of difficulty that are going to come. I I, I don't want to to build you up with false hope. Tough times are going to come. Tough times will absolutely come in your life. You are going to experience things that make you feel like you cannot put one foot in front of the other. You are going to struggle in ways that you didn't understand as a youth, but you do as an adult. You're going to, at times, look and ask God why. I'm just being real with you this morning. It's okay to ask God why. There's going to be times that you're going to be mad at God. I've been there. I've pounded my fist on a table and asked God why and what in the world is he thinking. There's going to be difficult times. But after difficult times there is a promise of ease. You see, if you go down to Isaiah 40 and verse 8, it says, The grass withereth and the flower fadeth, but the word of our God shall stand forever. But now what word is Isaiah talking about here? He's saying that the word of our God shall stand forever after God has said, Comfort ye, comfort ye my people. So what comes in between what? promise of ease is God making here in Isaiah. If you look back, you will see in verse 1 that he is offering words of comfort. If you go down one more verse, you will see that there are words of comfort of peace because he says speak you comfortably to Jerusalem and cry unto her your warfare is accomplished there should come a time in your life and I believe God give me this message for this morning for the people that are here to let you know that there is a time very near that your warfare is accomplished now I'm not talking about end of life that warfare is something entirely different than what's going on here but your time in captivity your time of struggle your time of difficulty your time of wondering why how long, what is going on? but there is a time coming when your warfare is accomplished. The difficulties are done, and there is a promise of ease right on the horizon waiting for you. but more than that, we also need to understand a lot of us that have been in the church for a while that your iniquity is pardoned that which you did yesterday cannot come up and bite you on the ankle today because it is already done and behind you. God has spoken, he is. Already already looked and seen and when you knelt down and you surrendered to Jesus Christ his blood blotted out your name in the book of sin and wrote down your name in the book of life your iniquity is pardoned and you need to quit living in it you need to quit walking in it you need to quit dragging it back up you need to quit thinking it can tear you down because it cannot the word of God says it is pardoned when it is pardoned it cannot be brought back up on charges he can't take you before the court again he can't throw you in jail for it again because it is pardoned and it is off the books. So there's words of comfort, words of peace, words of forgiveness. And not only that, there is an easy path between you and God this morning. There is an easy path between you and the Lord. You see, there was a highway prepared You can see that in verse 3. The voice of him that crieth in the wilderness, Prepare ye the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. And you get on some of these crooked mountain roads and you you begin to wonder if you're going to make it to where you're going or not. The road slid in here and down to one lane there and you just get a little nervous and antsy. But when you get out on a highway, it's nice and straight and wide and easy. You want to get through the dry places quickly. John the Baptist has already come and fulfilled this. He cried out in the desert and he made a straight path for the Son of God to come and do what he needed to do which was to live a life sinless. Tempted in every manner as is common to man yet without sin. To hang on a cross to shed his blood so that by his stripes we are healed spiritually by his blood we are healed he entered once for all into the holy of holies in heaven and placed his blood on the altar we no longer have to take the blood of goats and bullocks and lambs pigeon doves we don't have to wait for once a year see all of this has already been done and accomplished so now what we have is a very easy and straight path to god hebrews tells us that we can come boldly before the throne of grace There is no more veil in the temple that separates us from God. So there's comfort, there's peace, there's forgiveness. There's an easy path between you and God. But he also tells us that those low points are going to be elevated. He tells us that those high mountaintops are going to be easier to get to because they're going to be brought down. He tells us that when you feel like you've got one more bump that's going to make you fall all to pieces in life. Because life is rough. We talked about that, right? And sometimes you just keep hitting bump after bump after bump. And you feel like if you hit one more bump that you're going to lose it. That you're going to fall apart. But God has made the promise that the rough places will be plain. In other words, they're going to be smoothed out. You don't have to take the winding path anymore. And I tell you, through life, and I, I know what I'm talking about here, because I've done it a lot. You wander here, and you wander there, trying to find something to fill that emptiness and that void in you. There's something inside of you that's just not satisfied, that just feels empty. You bounce from woman to woman or man to man, from bottle to bottle to peel to peel, to friend to friend, whatever it may be, job to job. We take that winding path to try to find something. But not just are the valleys going to be lifted, the mountaintops brought down so you don't have to get as low, the highs are easier to reach, what used to be difficult to get to is easy, the roughness can smooth out, but he also said the crooked shall be made straight. You don't have to take a winding path anymore this morning. You don't have to keep going from place to place trying to figure out where you need to settle down. There is a straight path to Jesus Christ. But can I tell you, there's also cleansing and rest and healing in the presence of the Lord. Why do I say that is relevant here? Because he said the glory of the Lord shall be revealed. And all flesh shall see it together, for the mouth of the Lord hath spoken it. Now, in the glory of the Lord, glory just means the heaviness, the weightiness. I can tell you also from personal experience, when you get into the presence of the glory of the Lord, that it will cleanse you. Look back at Isaiah, chapter 6. The year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord high and lifted up. He goes on to say that he was, woe was me, I'm undone, I'm a man of unclean lips. And he got into the presence of the Lord and an angel went and got a coal and purged his lips. When you get into the presence of the Lord, it will cleanse you. When you get into the presence of the Lord, it will give you a rest that you just simply don't understand. It will help you get to a place where you can experience peace and healing. When you walk through life, and you see circumstances that you do not understand how they are going to resolve or how they were going to come to pass, there is something about getting into the power and presence of the Holy Ghost that just makes you not concerned about it. And it's not that you're not concerned, it's that you have been into a place where you understand that God is indeed all-powerful. And that when you put something into the hands of the Lord, that it will work out better than it will when you keep it in your own hands. Hallelujah. But can I tell you, we do wonder when. And it's okay, I told you. I've questioned God. Here, God is questioned in Isaiah. If you look at verses 6 and 7 in chapter 40, there's questioning, and there's even equating people to grasp and flowers that wither in the power of the Spirit of the Lord. Surely the people is grass. Everything fades away when the Spirit of the Lord bloweth upon it, and surely the people is grass. But you have to take this in understanding of what's said, because he's questioning His voice said, cry, and he said, what shall I cry? He said, cry that all flesh is grass, and all the goodliness thereof is as of the flower of the field. The grass withereth, the flower fadeth, because the Spirit of the Lord bloweth upon it. But God has already made the promise. So even though that may be true, and even though the grass and the flowers fade away, the word of our God shall stand forever forever and his word is is that you will be comforted his word is that there are words of peace for your life his words is that there is forgiveness and you don't have to walk in your past anymore his word is that there is an easy path between you and god his word is that the low points are going to be raised and the high points are going to be easier to reach and there's no more winding paths or bumpy roads That there is cleansing and rest and healing in the presence of the Lord. That is His promise and it shall stand. Everything else is going to fade away. But when you get into the presence of the Lord and you submit to Him, that promise will stand when all else fails. But now I want to take just a minute to remind you of the power of God before I get back to where I started at. You see, you may think you're too far You may think that God can't control this or God can't control that. Let me remind you of the power and the presence of the Lord. When you read this next section of chapter 40, there's one, at least, you know, different Bibles have different headings. Mine says the majesty and power of God. Here's the majesty and power of God. This is the God that I'm talking to you about this morning. The one who hath measured the waters in the hollow of His hand. Every drop of water, not just on the earth, but in the entirety of the universe, just fits right here in God's hand. Just right there. says He meted out heaven with the span. This is a span. In the thumb, in the pinky. A couple years ago, they discovered a universe that was... 14.3 billion light years away, seeing it for the very first time. That is 134, it's 14.3 billion years but when you convert it to kilometers. It is 134 followed by 30 zeros kilometers. I don't even know the word for that number. It's beyond me. 134 followed by 30 zeros. So from us to there is no more, no more than this for God. The sun is, if the sun blew up today, it would take us eight minutes and 20 seconds to even know it. It takes 8 minutes and 20 seconds for the light from the sun to reach us on earth. That's how far we are. This place is 14 billion years before we will ever see a change. And it's just from here to here. Now for the sun to the earth can't be any more than just the space of his pinky. It ain't that much. Who hath measured the waters in the hollow of his hand and marked the heavens with a span Enclosed the dust of the earth in a measure and weighed the mountains in scales and the hills in a balance. He's taken every hill and every mountain on every planet. And he can put it in a set of scales that fit in his hands. It's unbelievable. We, as humans, we cannot wrap our mind around it. But this is the God that I'm telling you about. Who hath directed the spirit of the Lord, or being his counselor, hath taught him. No one, because God made all that. With whom took he counsel? Who instructed him and taught him in the path of judgment? Taught him knowledge and showed him the way of understanding? No one, because he made all that. goes on to say, Behold, the nations are as a drop of a bucket and are counted as small dust of the balance. Now, if he's got entire mountains placed up in a scale, a balanced scale, like you see on lawyer's doors and stuff like that. He's got every mountain in the world and the entirety of the universe. These mountains they see on Mars and the moon and Jupiter and all of these other things, they're all right there along with the ones of Earth. All of the problems of our life, all of the problems of our government, all of the problems of our nation are a small dust of the balance. A speck of dust isn't going to move the world's. Behold, he taketh up the isles as a very little thing. Islands don't even count for nothing. Verse seventeen says, All nations before him are as nothing. They are counted to him less than nothing in vanity. All your problems going on in your life are as nothing before God. Not that He's not concerned with them, it's just nothing because it is no difficulty, no issue for Him to tend to them. He cares for you. The only reason you're drawn to love Him is because He first loved you. That's Scripture. So let me get back down to this key text. Hast thou not known? Hast thou not heard? Yes, you know, and yes, you have heard. That God is everlasting. That He is Lord. That He is the Creator of the ends of the earth. And I'm here to tell you that He does not faint. And He does not weary. Fainting is failure through loss of inherent strength. God never loses His strength. To move in your situation. Weary is an exhaustion because of the hardness of life. Nothing is impossible or too hard for God. That he grows exhausted because of your circumstances. He never wearies because of it. Now we grow tired. We grow weary. Sometimes we do faint in other words, we lose strength. Oftentimes we get exhausted because of the hardness of life. And think, don't think that it's because of age. Don't think it's because of your time being a Christian. Because it says even the youths shall faint and be weary. And young men shall utterly fall. You know, when you get weak, when your strength is zapped out of you, and then on top of that you're also exhausted from the difficulties of life, you will fall. You will fall physically, you will fall spiritually. It's natural. But it's also natural to make sure you look to God. Because He has strength that cannot fail. He has energy that we can't even comprehend. But it's going to happen regardless of your age, regardless of how long you've been doing anything. The ESV puts it, that even youth shall faint and be weary, and young men shall fall exhausted. But the verse before that says, He giveth power to the faint. And to them that have no might, He increases strength. There was a gentleman that wrote a commentary, J. Alec Motyer. He put it this way, God knows our frailty, and He provides an antidote. God knows our frailty, and He provides an antidote. What's the antidote but they that wait upon the Lord? They that wait. Those that exhibit patience. Those that exhibit trust that God is who God says He is. Those who know beyond any shadow of any doubt that they cannot do it as good as God and they sit down in His presence and they wait upon the Lord. Those the Lord shall renew their strength. You might feel like you have grown faint, that you have lost your strength that you no longer have it in you, but God can put it back in you because He can renew your strength. You shall mount up with wings as eagles and you will be able to run and you will not grow exhausted from the difficulties of life. You're going to be able to walk and not have to worry about your loss of strength yesterday because today God will refill your strength. There is the antidote for your frailty this morning, for your exhaustion, for your tiredness. Is just wait upon the Lord. Now I'm going to actually close over in chapter 41. I want to read you verses 8 through 10 just to comment and then we're going to wrap up. Over in chapter 41, all of these blessings and all of this great text that is uplifting continues. You cannot set in your slavery. You cannot set in what has been going on. You have to move forward. That text that I read you there, when God puts strength back, when God takes weariness away, there's movement. Movement. But it doesn't stop there, even though there was this prophecy, even though there was the doom and gloom. Hezekiah looked to the Lord and he said, the word of the Lord is good. There's going to be peace and truth. He didn't understand how all that would fit together, I'm sure. If someone looks at you and tells you you're never going to, you're going to have kids, but they're going to be taken away, you'll never have grandkids, you'll never uh, have and enjoy the inheritance of your father because they're taking that, and everything you work for is going to be taken away also. It's going to be awful difficult. It doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure out Hezekiah did not understand. But even in his lack of understanding, he said the Word of God is good, and the Word of God is going to be peace and truth. This morning, I don't know what's going on in your life. But what I've given you is that even in the midst of difficulties and doom and gloom, that there is hope. And if you will just wait and trust in the Lord, that He will renew you, that you won't have to grow weary and faint with life anymore. But he continues to go on and he says, But thou, Israel, art my servant, Jacob, whom I have chosen, the seed of Abraham, my friend. Can I tell you this morning that if you are adopted into the family of God, if you have accepted Jesus Christ, you are the seed of Abraham because you are heirs and joint heirs with Jesus Christ. Now, I don't believe in replacement theology. Israel is still the apple of God's eye, along with David. But you are... Adopted into that family if you submit to Christ. And the seed of Abraham, you, you, that you have chosen to follow God, is taken from the ends of the earth and called thee from the chief men thereof and said unto thee, same words can go to you this morning. You are a servant of God. Thou art my servant. It's the words of God. I have chosen you. You did not choose God. That is not biblical. God chose you. And better yet, He has not cast you away. He said you will never be forsaken. You will not be forgotten. This morning you are not forgotten. You are not forsaken. God has not cast you off. Fear thou not. For I am with thee. Be not dismayed. And it doesn't say for I am God. It says for I am your God. He is not some abstract thought up in the sky. He is your God. He loves you. He is close to you this morning. I will strengthen thee. Yea, I will help thee thee yea I will uphold thee with the right hand of my righteousness let me put that in plain hillbilly English I will strengthen you and listen to me because I'm not done I'll also help you out listen to me again because I'm still not done I will hold you up when you feel like you're going to fall over. This morning, I've got a simple, simple conclusion, closing. You are chosen. You are not forsaken. You are chosen. And you are not forsaken. Sometimes we need refreshed. But the promise of the Word of the Lord, and I stand on the Word of the Lord, is that if you will come and get in His presence this morning, that He will refresh you. He will strengthen you. He will take away the weariness in you. He will make it able for you to endure to the end so that you may be saved. First and foremost this morning, if you have not chosen to follow Christ, that's step number one. I can tell you, you will never experience peace And rest in your life not complete peace and not complete rest until you do but once you do you can start experiencing that and furthermore you can stand on these promises so first and foremost if you have not chosen to submit your life to Christ you need to because he's already chosen you he's already chosen you but other than that the altars are open this